0: Happy holidays, everybody, and welcome to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, is my co-host, Mr. Tim Jetsy. Tim, how's it going, man?
1: been going good, but honestly, let's just cut right to the big news story that hit on the 18th of December here. What people thought wasn't going to happen until the end of the season happened after, quite frankly, some of the most embarrassing play we've seen of the Senators this year.
0: Yeah, and that's what this episode is going to be covering tonight with the three games we're going to talk about. But you're absolutely right. So the big news story that we are talking about, the Ottawa Senators have officially fired head coach DJ Smith and is being replaced by former Senators head coach Jacques Martin.
1: What's kind of interesting, though, is not all of the assistants are gone. Davis Payne, who was in charge of the forwards, is gone. Jack Capoy, sorry, forwards and penalty kill, which we're going to get to... That was where the real weakness of the Senators were. So they're gone. Capuano, who was in charge of the defenseman, is staying on. But he's going to be surprised. He's going to be supported by Ben Sexton, I believe.
0: This is a firing that, honestly, I think everybody was really hoping for, really calling for. We did not expect it to happen until the end of the season because he's in his last year's deal. So DJ Smith, and I'm just going to say right now, it sucks that my dad got fired. <laughs> I mean, I
1: don't think that works unless we post the photo.
0: Oh my God, it's so true. It's so true. And there's a backstory. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But for DJ Smith, though, I mean, you know what? I was of the belief that when Jacques Martin got fired, this means, like, Pierre Dorian's tenure was going to end very quickly. A lot of people seem to think the same way. And it ended up the way they did.
1: I was a little surprised because... You had Steos and Anlauer preaching stability. And when you look at some of the other, I'm going to say well-run organizations around the league, you do have coaching advisors. And Ottawa just never had one of those. So I thought, okay, you know what? This is, this makes sense. And no, they just had the replacement waiting right in the wings. So yeah, it's kind of funny. And it's also kind of impressive that both DJ Smith and Pierre Dorian basically forced Adlauer's hand to fire them.
0: But you know what? When Michael Adlauer came into power, that was the first thing everybody was waiting for was the news that both Doran and DJ Smith were gone.
1: Yeah. And honestly, this just kind of continues a run of questionable NHL coaching choices that the Senators have made pretty much through the entirety of the GM. Sorry, almost the entirety of the Melnick-UG. Sorry. The, 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 the. This is a continuation of a run of questionable coaching choices that goes throughout pretty much the entire Melnick regime all the way back to uh, Brian Murray before Pierre Dorian, as Trevor Shackles has pointed out. John Paddock fired, never a head coach again. Craig Hartsburg fired, never a heart head coach again. Cluston fired. McLean, fired, never head coach again. Boucher, the only one that I'm going to say is not really fair is Dave Cameron because Dave Cameron has found a very happy niche with the world juniors and he's been incredibly successful in that role as well as his, I believe he's with the 67 still and he's been fantastic in junior.
0: Yeah, and Guy Boucher, yes, he's not a head coach but he is an assistant coach right now with Toronto. He's but going he be to be a head coach. There is going to be a team that's going to go after him, not only because rest is a weapon, but because of his eleven and seven team.
1: Well, not only those two things, but have you seen the work that Toronto's done with a, a defense core that costs three fifty, especially with all the good defensemen injured? Like, that's working, and I wouldn't be surprised if Guy Boucher is heavily involved with that.
0: Yeah, you know what? For his criticism as he got as a Senators head coach for that boring defensive style, that's the one positive you could say about him is that he was very defensive-minded.
1: Yeah, and honestly, for the first year it worked for the Senators, and then honestly, I'm not even sure if it's his fault that the bottom fell out.
0: You know what? In that kind of situation, the head coach is always the first one to get fired. It's
1: true, which is absolutely incredible that DJ Smith lasted as long as he did.
0: Yeah, but it was one of those things where it was very much a... Melnick was in power. He couldn't afford to get a new head coach. So we were kind of stuck with him. Michael Anlauer comes in. He has his guys in mind. But both Doran and DJ Smith were here. Yeah. What's
1: wild, though, is what killed Ottawa is the goaltending... This one's on Dorian. The goaltending this year was an atrocity. The Corpus Forsberg pairing has been the NHL's absolute worst. And as much as the lack of defensive structure probably doesn't help, Ottawa's goalies are bleeding goals against where they really shouldn't be. And we're going to talk about that. The other thing is what's wild is Ottawa's defense like the actual outcomes from the defensemen are markedly improved this year versus last year. When we look at both uh, hockey viz and all three zone stats, we see the zone defense entry has gotten way better. The defensive outcomes have, of like stopping chances and all that sort of stuff, they're leagues better than they were last year. So there has been a marked improvement in the quality of play of the defensemen of the Ottawa Senators. What's broken is the forwards. They can't get out of the zone. They can't generate scoring chances. And they can't enter the zone once they get to the neutral zone. There's so, like, they have forgotten how to pass. They've forgotten how to dump. They've forgotten how to chase. And they can't. they can't even break out of the zone. So no matter how good of work that your defensemen are doing, it doesn't matter because the forwards ruin it. And to just summarize Ottawa this year, relative to the rest of the league, Ottawa's defense, average. They give up 2.6 expected goals a game, somewhere between two and three, but the Sens on average are giving up four a game. That's not going to work. But on the other hand, Ottawa's only hitting about 48 expected goals a game or about 2.4 expected goals per game, 9% below league average. They have high shooting percentages, so that masks it. And the Sens just score an obscene amount from the blue line.
0: They do. And given that, I mean, Shabbat's not there. All all honesty, Jacob Chickren's been kind of a disappointment too this season. He really hasn't been that guy for us. But I will say goaltending has been the big issue. And, you know, we talk about Pierre Doran, right? Yeah. What I can't fault him for is trying. Because, like, what after Anderson left, went after Matt Murray. That was a huge gamble. But you know what? We stayed at the time. We would have criticized him. Didn't work out. Okay, fair. He's gone. We bring in Corpusalo. It's not working for whatever reason. Anton Forsberg, who you would think the fan base would give him a little bit of leeway. He just came off having two knee surgeries. He's bad
1: like actually depending on the model league worst money puck. The only guys below him are Stuart Skinner and anti-ranta and anti-ranta just got waived.
0: I'm surprised Jack Campbell's not on that list.
1: Yeah. I'm surprised that it's a Skinner and not Campbell.
0: Or maybe it's just because Campbell's in the minors.
1: You know what? That might
0: actually be it. Yeah. Now, we spent all this time. Let's talk about DJ Smith. And I think the one thing that really has become an issue in the last while has been such a lack of accountability among the players from DJ Smith. Because DJ, even as press conferences is just going, well, you know, the guys are kind of tight. We're going to loosen up in practice. Jacques Martin comes in. You know, first game. This is not going to be accepted in yeah. a roundabout way, it's funny how Jacques Martin in 2024 has returned in the same capacity that he was in 1996 when the senators were in the exact same situation.
1: Yeah, so, and here's the thing, it's like, part of me wonders, it's like, yeah, you're not getting someone from the outside. With the interim tag, it's a little frustrating that they can't just be like, you know what, we'll just give him the tag. And if we don't like him, we'll fire him at the end of the season. Because there's so many good coaches out there that have very recent pedigree. Like you have Craig Berube, you have Woodcroft, you have Evanson, And Evanson, I think, would be a good fit for Ottawa, given that he's also used to working with teams that are kind of on a shoestring budget. Have you seen the Minnesota Wild that he worked with?
0: Yeah, but this is not the Minnesota wall. The senators, they're not really going to be running on a shoestring because Michael Anlayer has money.
1: Right. But for this season,
0: yes. They're okay, missing five million dollars. No, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right on that end. But I think it is kind of interesting that Jacques Martin has come back. And you know what? Maybe this is going to be the answer for possibly turning this team around. Because it it's a this is the way I look at it. It's a very low risk hiring because he's just an intern. If it doesn't it, work out, it doesn't work out. You hire somebody else next year. And the other thing is it's
1: not like Jock Martens been completely absent for the game for like a decade. Like he was an so he was an assistant in Pittsburgh when they won the cup against us for two years in a row. Like the guy was there, he seen the modern NHL. So it's like, I don't expect this to be like a oh no, here comes Crow, right? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't Crawford. I'm not super worried. And yeah, it's super low risk. Nothing normal happens with the Ottawa Senators, right?
0: No, and especially this year when we started off with Shane Pinto.
1: Yeah, well, talk. let's talk about how this firing happened. DJ Smith conducted practice this morning. He's like, yeah, we had a fun practice because like things aren't going our way, so let's maybe try to get our mental in the right place. And t- 30 minutes later, he's fired. Why didn't they just fire him the night before and let Jacques, Mar- Jacques Martin tank? run the practice the next day. Like, that's so bizarre. The guy's going to go right into a game without having the opportunity to run a full practice with his boys.
0: Yeah, that seems like a real... Like, it's weird. It is weird. That's the best word to describe it. It's weird, but it's also... I'm trying to think of a word to describe it, but it's really... Jacques Martin should have ran the practice. He's going to be coaching... He should have done it. But you know what? When I talk about accountability, if you look back on those late 90s, early 2000s Senators teams, what's the one thing that Jacques Martin instilled? Accountability. Accountability. That's the one thing. You think, because here's you look back, He, how many years did he decide that Jason Spetsna is not going to come up? If a player was not playing good, he benched him. And I know I saw some poll, I can't remember who it was, and they says who would be the first player being benched if he plays bad.
1: No, now that's tough. Because I don't think it's gonna be Jure Brady. No. Stutzla's more visible, but it might be Norris or Batherson. I think Kubalik might find himself on the fourth line. Zach McEwen finding himself out of the league. Zach McEwen's I don't know why he's here, let's be honest. No. The guy is uh, not an NHL player.
0: Again, this the news was so, shock, so shocking today about DJ. And all the best to him. Because like, from, from yeah. all accounts, I mean, regardless of how you want to think of him as a head coach, nobody has anything negative to say about him as a person. Yeah,
1: like he seems like a good guy. Is what everyone says. Like the guy, the guy took like a day out of, is scheduled to hang out with brendan fraser like that's really cool claire hannah says that like he just treated her like like she was one of the guys which is quite hard for female reporters in hockey so like yeah the guy is a grade a person but the results just weren't there and it's a result first business right
0: and now with DJ Smith hiring, the Melnick era is officially over.
1: Yeah, the only one still left on the staff is Capuano, I think.
0: And uh, Zach Bierick.
1: Zach Bierick. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't fire Bierick.
0: Yeah. I, again, we talked about this last week. I mean, there, it's not like you can go get Craig Anderson to be a goalie coach. Not yet, anyone. Yeah. <laughs> not yet, anyway, man. Not anyway. So, Tim... We got to get into today's episode because today's episode is season seven, episode 10, in college quarter, episode 160, the third line plug Christmas episode. I'm very excited to be doing this. And our cover athlete for today's episode is Lassie Thompson. So, just a little background to Lassie Thompson. He was selected 19th overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2019. He has played parts of two seasons with the Senators, recording five assists in 18 games.
1: Lassie Thompson is always one of those guys that you want to see more out of. I really thought he was going to make the jump, you know?
0: Yeah, he was one of those. You know, when certain players get drafted and hockey fans are very of this pattern of they see a guy be like, that's going to be him. Yeah, that's going to be the next guy up. Lassie Thompson was this guy for me because he has everything that you would want out of him. He's tall. He's a good skater. He's a right hand shot. I don't know what it is that his game is just not translating to the NHL.
1: Yeah, and it's weird too because, like, he in his first season with the Senators, he played 16 games and he looked pretty good. And then last year is just two games and they were a disaster. And he started to kind of fall down the chart in Belleville as well. He got picked up by Anaheim and the Ducks like. No, you're too bad for this team.
0: But only after he played one game.
1: After he played one game, they're like, no. So it's just very odd watching the development curve of Lassie Thompson. And it looks like he's probably going to get, well, not probably. He has been hopped by Maxine Gwinnett and Tyler Clevin. Because Clevin honestly had five games this season. Didn't look, he looked pretty good.
0: Yeah, and that's very discouraging when you see La- him compared to Lassie Thompson because Lassie Thompson's been in the organization for f- almost five years.
1: Yeah, like that's an unfortunate, pretty unfortunate whiff. But like it happens. I'm. I'm. We're not going to sit here and relitigate Ottawa's draft history.
0: No, we already did an episode like that. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, classic third line plug episodes, man. But yeah, with Lassie, I, I really wish that he would have been a mainstay here. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out. So, is what it is, right?
1: Yeah, and it's kind of wild. It is but it's wild. also, one thing that people did notice, it's kind of funny, going back to the DJ Smith stuff for a second, it is really funny how uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have the scalps of both Ottawa's coach and GM.
0: Yeah, is there a term for that? You know how, like, with the Sens, we had we sensed them. Does Vegas have that?
1: I don't know. I really don't know.
0: Although, to be perfectly honest, I think it's the first time I'm actually fully realizing that, that you're right, Vegas does have the scalps of both DJ and Pierre. Well, Tim, you know, I mean, we could sit here and talk about Lassie Thompson, but it would only delay the inevitable that we have something to announce for next week's episode, season 7, episode 11, in Prologue Order episode 161. It's the return of the poll. Oh, we actually have players to talk about? Yeah, buddy. And we've got three names on the board. We've got Sylvan Turjan, Oleg Saprikin, and Corey Stillman.
1: Yo, those are actually good players to talk about, too. Dang.
0: I know. And the other three's Andre Benoit, Mark Stone, who we already did, and Derek Brizard.
1: It's a shame we can't do five options on the poll because those are all good.
0: I could do four.
1: Two, four. Yeah, I put Broussard on there.
0: Well, I was going to say, do you want to put Broussard as number 19 or 61, though? Oh, you're right.
1: Why do we have so many 61s? Is it just because it's 16 backwards? Probably. Yeah.
0: Probably. Well, it's also, yeah, 16 backwards, but also it could be 91 if the nine is reverted.
1: Right. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely a rookie number.
0: Oh, 100%, man. 100%. But you know what's not a rookie move, Tim? is asking the question that I love asking, our listeners love knowing. How's your week been going?
1: It's been pretty okay. Again, just mostly busy with work. We got the electrician in. Most of the wiring is done.
0: Okay, what do you guys need done so far?
1: Uh, So we just got like, most of the circuits are done. There's just some code issues from the previous... the previous homeowner did uh the homeowner special that we're gonna have to clean up the funniest one i think is we blew up a light bulb really yeah the electrician was like trying to figure out where these lights in our basement were hooked up to so he was like testing 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 and like we're upstairs i was using the tv and all of a sudden my tv turns off and he comes this like Yo, I think there's a something weird with the way that these ones are wired too, because a light bulb just blew up in my hand. I'm like, what? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine.
0: <laughs> Was it just too much voltage going to it?
1: Uh, yeah, so he had his tester on, but it turns out that these light bulbs in the basement were on the same circuit as, like, some of the plugs in the main room upstairs. The exterior
0: lights. That just seems very sketchy. Because honestly, like, I'm not an electrician or anything. But you would think for stuff like that, it would be on two different circuits. You'd think. Yeah, because of the voltage just going to all the power, right? And all the electricity and everything going through those circuits. You would think it would be on two of them.
1: Yeah, they're no longer on the same circuit. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, so he's like, yeah, that the inspector's not going to like that. So let's just do this right. Yeah, and there was a really funny one where we had like a blank plate underneath a plug underneath one of those lights. Yeah. And uh, he opened up the wall. There was just like a cord hanging in there that was never hooked up to anything. Really? Like a cord into a box. And we have no idea what it could have been or why. Especially because it was like three feet underneath a different box. That was also hooked up with a cord.
0: That just seems like something like the homeowner for you guys probably was just fucking around with it. And thought he knew what he was doing
1: legitimately surprised our house hasn't burnt down because this isn't the like this isn't the worst electrical stuff that we've dealt with That I think I've mentioned that that some of the other basement lights were all the same breaker as the fridge yeah so it's just like yeah the electricity of my house is cursed
0: yeah I really have no idea how your house has not caught on fire
1: I mean I'm glad it hasn't <laughs>
0: hey, you know what? We're all here for it, man. We're glad that you you and Chelsea's house has not burnt down. Because in fairness, I mean, our listeners don't know where in Calgary you live, but I mean, if your house caught on fire, you've got at least a couple of neighbors on both sides of their fucking place we'd go up to.
1: Well, what's wild is one of my neighbors sheds, sorry, their garage caught on fire and it burnt down our garage before we bought the house. So our house has a nice new garage and that neighbor doesn't have a garage anymore. So it's all good.
0: Oh, man. Is it just like a concrete pad now?
1: No, it's just a pile of gravel.
0: Oh, my God. You would think, eh, that they would have at least tried to build another garage or something on there.
1: Apparently not.
0: Yeah. No, but that's good to hear that all the electricity stuff is coming coming good for you guys at your place. So, talking about my week, there are two things in specific I want to talk about. So... Tuesday night, Katrina and I made the trip up to Namo. We went to Costco. Yeah. Every, I think we're averaging every six weeks now. We have to go. We do okay. And yes, I did have the beef hot dog. It was okay. But anyway, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is so we had to go to Costco to get groceries and all that kind of good stuff. So every time we go to Costco, Katrina finds those squish mellows. I don't know if you know what those are.
1: Like, the pillow, the animal pillow things, right? Yeah,
0: the animal pillows. And Katrina's a big Harry Potter fan, so she found one of those of her house. And every time we go to Costco, it's like, oh, my God, look at this. And I'm like, I'm like, look, we're not getting that. Please put it back. (laughs) I did this twice. (laughs) Third time we go back, there was already a lady there looking, like, telling her husband, like, oh, look at this. And he's just like, put it back. Put it back and katrina walks over and i'm just like all right throw it in the cart and the lady's like hi i inspired you like i'm like why are you doing this to me it's the worst i know but she loves it she loves it so it's great so outside of that saturday night until i i think you've seen the pictures like we went to the teddy bear toss at the victoria royals game yeah like, Two things. We saw a guy in a Sens jersey. Like a, like a Brady to Chuck Sens jersey. It was wild. Why? I don't know. I don't know, but it was awesome. But the point of the story here is, so we're about five rows up from the ice. Zamboni's going around, right? Cleaning mm-hmm. the ice and everything. And we're sitting there, and we're just kind of looking around, and we hear this big crash. And we look kind of look over to the boards, and the boards is sh- rattling like this. The Zamboni drove into it. What? Yeah, like the Zamboni flat out drove into the boards. That's wild. I've been to how many hockey games and I've never ever seen this happen. And it was loud, too. I'm surprised he didn't take the freaking boards go down. So he does that. He drives around. And when he comes back, the crowd starts cheering. Because we're (gasps) danks.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a Zamboni driver
0: crash
1: or clip anything. Yo, do you think he's a booze cruiser?
0: Ooh, I don't know. Maybe, but I think the thing that really caught my eye was that they have the two... You know the Zamboni at Sens games where it's like the fan zone, whatever, Zamboni that has people on it? Yeah. So one of the Zambonis has a kid on there, you know, that they ride around. I said about that. Imagine if that guy was someone that crashed into the boards with the kid on it.
1: No, that'd be awful.
0: Dude, first of all, you would have traumatized that kid for never wanting to go back to a hockey game. And the guy would have been like, the hell is wrong with you?
1: Yeah, I don't think he's coming back as uh, the Zamboni man.
0: No. But I mean, the nice thing about the Royals game. So about the game itself. So the playing Tri-City. First period happens. The Royals are just getting their ass handed to them by Tri City. Tri City scored on the first shot. Huh. How about that? And Tri City, I think they were out shooting them like eight to three or eight to four. They were up three one. Yeah. The Royals came back in one four three. Well, it's nice that they won. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Did they deserve to win?
0: Yes, they did. They played a really okay. good second and third period. So that's good. Yeah, it's really good, man. It's really good. But I'll tell you what's also really good, Tim. It's time to segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Nice. Also, by the way, when I was at Costco, we got these. I don't know what they are. Like a zero sugar sort of soda. These Coke oh. soda. Oh, okay. Not bad. <laughs> I don't know if I would buy it again, but, you know, for a one-time...
1: Might as well try it, sort of thing. Sure I know,
0: yeah, exactly. All right, Tim, for, so for top talking to the hour. So we're going to start off with the two stories that we did highlight last week, but we good ch- didn't get a chance to talk about it. We're going to start off with Detroit Red Wings for David Perron suspended six games for cross-checking Senators eventsmen. Artem Zub. Yeah. That's deserved. Yep. I don't know why he's appealing this, by the way.
1: I think the union... Feels the need to show that the union is doing things, so the union's appealing. Politics, E.C.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And also, the Columbus Blue Columbus Blue Jackets defenseman Eric Branson was suspended one game for his altercation with Panthers forward Nick Cousins. So this is
1: an interesting one because Gabranson gets dumped in the corner. The refs don't do anything about it, and then Gabranson goes vigilante and very much crosses a line. Like, I have no problem with the suspension here. I think the reason why it isn't more, and it probably should be a little more, is the refs missed pretty badly on the first hit by Cousins. But Gabranson lost his shit and probably should have been suspended for more.
0: Oh, he should have. And that's the thing with hockey, right, is that the referees never see the initial attack. They always see the the, uh, answer call.
1: Yeah, but what's even worse about what Gabranson did is it there was like a period in between. Like, it, it's actually kind of wild.
0: It is, but you know what? No, I'm actually the same boat as you. I thought he would have gotten more, but hey, gotta call what it is. He got a suspension for this. Yep. Now we're going to give a couple of congratulations to him. We're going to start off with New York Rangers forward Artemi Panarin, who became the third fastest undrafted player to record 700 points. At 617 games.
1: I always forget that Brett man was undrafted.
0: That was one of the things that really surprised me about Artemi Panarin is that, you know, when you think of these guys who get drafted, you think, oh, that's so great. You know, when you see some of the numbers we've covered here on top of the air. And then you get Artemi Panarin, and the first thing you have to think of is, why was he not drafted? But then you look at his stats in Russia. His draft year, he wasn't playing in the Russian Super League or the KHL. He was playing in a Tier 3 league.
1: Yeah, like, it's so funny. Like, the guy just came out of nowhere. He just kind of appeared on Chicago one day, as far as most hockey fans or even reporters were really concerned.
0: Yeah, and that's just for the North American side. Because on Russia, if you ever listen to eyewitness reports from guys like Josh Hennessy or some of these guys who played with him in the KHL... They all said, like, this kid's incredible. Like, this kid's very talented. But I think it was Josh Hennessy said when he came out, he looked at him, he's like, what is this? Like, the, the head coach's son or something?
1: Yeah, like, he was played a bit for a KHL team in 08-09. Then he got kind of shunted between, like, a Tier 3 and a KHL team. And it wasn't even a good KHL team, right?
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to think of... I'm just trying to find the... Team uh it was Vitez.
1: Yeah, Chekhov.
0: Yeah, it's Vitez. So I, I know we've I know we've mentioned shows like spit and checklists in the past, but guys like Josh Hennessy, Jeremy Oblonsky, John Morassi, guys who have been on the show who played for this team have said like, this team was absolutely crazy. They had an older who was like a mob boss.
1: That's sick.
0: Yeah, like they were going over to Russia and they were getting paid cash. It was like, you know, you're getting your typical KHL contract, but the guy's also giving you like a bag full of money.
1: Well, was it Wolchek Wolski who had like the scariest surgery of his life after a KHL game? Cause his doc the team doctor said, Yeah, don't worry about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, even Hennessy said when he played for Vitez, he broke I think he had a fractured ankle or a broken ankle. And the team was like, Yeah, you're not gonna get the surgery here done in with the Russian doctor. So they went to a military doctor and they didn't give him like any painkillers. They essentially gave him morphine. No. Yeah, like some of those like spent and checklist stories about Russia is insane.
1: You know what? Maybe we shouldn't be so surprised that they're not destroying Ukraine right now.
0: So unfortunately, Sam, we've got a really sad story to talk about here. Former NHL player and head coach Tony Granal revealed that he is battling cancer. It's sad. It is sad. And you know, for somebody who did have a noted NHL career and he was a noted NHL head coach, it is unfortunate to hear, right? And couple of weeks ago, we talked about Andy Moog having it, and now Tony Granato has cancer. You hate you hate stories like this.
1: Yeah. And it's just... It really does suck, right? Because... It, well, maybe if they catch it earlier enough, that it'll be survivable. But, yeah, I know uh, one of my buddies from church has... Uh, well, I'm not going to say which kind of cancer, but, yeah, like... You could tell, like, when ke- from... Yeah, he's got Before, to chemo, mm-hmm. it's night and day, just the energy level.
0: So you know how we were talking about head coaching being fired with DJ Smith at the beginning of this episode, Tim? The St. Louis Blues have fired their head coach, Craig Berube, after parts of six seasons. Berube was replaced by Drew Bannister. So Craig, on behalf of the St. Louis Blues fans, we want to take this opportunity to thank you for all your everything you've done, all your services and everything like this. But Craig Berube... Nice. okay so i want to say this about craig berube in the last several years we've seen some great coaching jobs you're talking barry trots with the islanders the very early parts of torts with the blue jackets craig berube you can make a legit argument him taking over the St. Louis Blues in 2019 is the single greatest coaching job ever done. When you take a team that was dead last to winning the Stanley Cup in a matter of five months, that right there is easily got to be one of the greatest coaching jobs of all time.
1: And what's kind of wild too is on pretty much every fancy stat chart in that season, you can see the exact moment he takes over. Where... All of a sudden, they go from being a pretty like a mid-to-bad team to being a monster. It was sustained all the way to a Stanley Cup.
0: It was. And the unfortunate thing was, like, St. Louis, outside of the 2019 year, they were just never able to get back. And I think one of the big things is losing Alex Petrangelo really helped. Yeah. Not get back.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, not only did it hurt massively hurt them, and they were never able to replace it with the likes of, like, Justin Falk or Tori Krug. But one man's loss is another man's gain, and look at what Vegas has been able to put together.
0: Yeah, they were finally able to get over the hump.
1: Just wild. And that might be one of the biggest, probably the biggest uh, GM misfires we've seen in a while. Just expecting to see a Pareco and an outside person be able to take that and run. And they just couldn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you know what, though? That's one of those things where it was kind of a risk reward thing, where it's the risk was you would end up losing players because of it. The reward is you would have kept them. Yeah.
1: And yeah, they've just weren't the same almost immediately. Right. Right. And we saw pretty massive regression from like Pareco. Falk never really fit in. Krug was fine, but just not the same level.
0: No. And how much of that really was that he was masked by the decor they had in Boston?
1: Oh, 100%. Especially with like Grieslick being able to step right in in Boston. Like, I think that is a very good description of what happened.
0: So, Tim, we're going to move away from talking about a head coach losing their job to a state losing two teams. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin and the partner in the parent company of the NHL's Washington Capitals and NBA Wizards have reached a tentative agreement to relocate both franchises from D.C. to North Virginia. First,
1: D.C. is not a state. It is a district. Therefore, it does not have senators and congressmen. That's very important. Second, they're moving, like, five kilometers down the road.
0: I, I know. And this is what sorry, I really... Sorry, five
1: miles. Sorry, two and a half miles.
0: Now, this is what I really want to emphasize with this, is technically the Caps and the Wizards are not relocating to the state. They're simply playing in an arena in that state. Now, you might say, oh, well, come on. Like, this is not the first team. Hell, it's not the first Washington team to play in North Virginia. I mean, the Commanders have been playing there for over 25 years, and they're not even the first team to play there. I mean, both the Giants and the Jets play in New Jersey. You got other teams that play in different states, but I don't know, like, what I make of this, because, like, NCI Center is not an old arena, so I'm kind of interested in why they're doing this.
1: It almost seems like Nova wants the teams, so they're trying to poach them. But I don't really, yeah, I don't get it. I don't know enough about a Potomac Yard or really the rest of the interplay between DC and Nova. There might be tax reasons. It might just be a better venue, especially if, like, especially if a lot of the money. But here's where, what I do know about DC gets weird is there's a lot of rich suburbs on, like on the Nova side. So like you have Alexandria and that area is quite wealthy, but you also have like, I believe Falls church can just can, on the Maryland sides also quite wealthy as well. So I'm not a hundred percent sure on the economics of this one. Cause I'm just not familiar enough with uh, DC.
0: No, that's fair. That's fair. And honestly, I can't believe I didn't even realize DC is not even a state, but when it comes to this move though, for the capitals, Okay, that's really cool. The Capitals are getting a new arena. Here's my
1: thought. Oh, my bad. Falls Church is on the Virginia side too.
0: Okay, here's my thought process with this move. How much of this really is to get the Capitals a new arena and the Wizards are just a throw in? Because honestly, yeah. let, me, let me ask you something. I am not a basketball fan. I don't watch it. Don't really follow it. You know, in every sport, there's one team that... You don't need to form an opinion about because there's just nothing notable about them. That's the wizards. Are you sure it's not the Nets? Well, I guess the Nets are just bad. The no the Nets are not good. The Wizards are just kind of there.
1: Oh, what about the Pelicans? Does anyone care about the Pelic? I find the NBA is particularly bad about teams that you need to form opinions on, of which there's really only about
0: 10. Okay, let, let, me, let me start off from a few, okay? Yeah. Wizards. Yep. Pelicans. Grizzlies.
1: Trailblazers.
0: Ooh, okay, you know what? Trailblazers are kind of an anomaly, because there are people that have opinions about the Trailblazers, especially up in Seattle. That's fair. Uh, who, who'd also be on that list?
1: The Hornets.
0: The Hornets, I find that it comes down to Michael Jordan. Because Jordan... Is part owner of the team.
1: Yeah, but you don't need an opinion on the Hornets because they don't do anything.
0: I think that the opinion people have on the Hornets, it falls on how just Jordan ran the team. Where with the Wizards, like that's probably the most notable thing in the last 20 years they have on them is that Jordan played for them briefly.
1: Forgot that he, yeah, he did that in like 03. Yeah, you're right. Yep. But it's like, yeah, teams that you actually have to care about. Like, When's the last time you thought about the Indiana Pacers?
0: You know what? The Indiana Pacers a few years ago were actually pretty good.
1: Right. That was like once. Yeah. And then they just get stomped on by Cleveland.
0: Yeah. They had a few, they had a few good years though.
1: Actually almost the entire Southeast. You just don't have to care about like the Orlando magic. Who's cared about them since Tracy McGarity?
0: Yeah. Atlanta,
1: Atlanta, Atlanta's good. Yeah. So, you kind of have to care. Miami has, ever since that time that all those players went to Miami to play together, you yeah. haven't had to have an opinion on Miami.
0: Which is an anomaly because the Miami Heat historically have actually been a very good team.
1: They have, yeah. But lately, I don't, I haven't really heard much out of Miami. There's a lot of teams you just don't really have to care about.
0: Yeah. So, honestly, I, I get why that. The wizards, I guess, are added to this, but it's like even in DC, because DC has all four of big franchises. And this is kind of the ranking I think of them. <laughs> DC, okay. No, I want to hear. You. Okay, I'm going to say number one is the Caps, Nationals, Commanders, Wizards.
1: I would have flipped the Commanders and the Nationals because it seems like the National. Well,
0: the National. No people are- care.
1: They did win a World Series, but like the Nationals is another one of those teams where it feels kind of borderline. whether people care or not is really dependent on the season in a way that i don't I don't think that was ever true for the caps.
0: Well, I think with the commanders, the reason why I'm putting them in number three is just how bad Dan Snyder ran them into that's
1: that. true.
0: That's why I'm putting them in number three. at least with the Nationals, they won a World Series. at least you can't take that away from them, yeah. and it was recent too, eh. 2019.
1: Yeah. So it's like the Nash, like what's baseball's actually, I think there's an entire division in baseball. What division are the Minnesota twins in? Is that a NL NL center?
0: I think it's a central. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That is a division that you just do not have to care about.
0: Yeah. Let me, let me just, again, we harp so much on the Minnesota teams because unless you're the Vikings, nobody really Oh, people care about the Twins. I know, but with Minnesota, though, remember how we had Dan Saracini, and he was talking about the Wild that people aren't as upset that they're just kind of mid? I feel like people are only upset when the Vikings are bad.
1: That's fair, that's fair. Yeah, I kind of want to look at your... your...
0: Yeah, they're in the AL Central.
1: AL Central, yeah. Like, that is a... uh... Actually, yeah, like... To be perfectly fair, the Nationals had some rocky attendance years, especially around 2010, but it was never as bad as what was happening in Montreal.
0: No. I mean, God, okay, here's the division for the Central. The White Sox, the Guardians, the Detroit Tigers, the Kansas City Royals, and the Twins.
1: Okay, you kind of have to care about the Royals, because they, they, they're definitely one of those teams that alternates between good and bad. But the rest of those teams,
0: absolutely, I don't care. Yep. Yeah, because Chicago is more of a Cubs city. Oh, for sure. And, like, the White
1: Sox are literally cursed. Yep. So you kind of have to care about that just because of that. But, like, the Guardians, you don't have to care about them anymore now that they changed their name. Baseball is really good for actually having a lot of interesting teams.
0: And you know what's funny when you think of hockey is that there really is there even a team in hockey where you don't need to form an opinion about
1: Minnesota, arguably Columbus. Mm, Yeah. But I think we could say that because we watch so much hockey. Yeah. I'm like, I'm trying to think of like if I pull a guy off the street in like downtown Montreal and ask him about the. These particular teams, will he have an opinion? Minnesota is definitely one of them.
0: Columbus, yeah.
1: Columbus. Uh
0: I think to an average hockey fan, do you think Nashville?
1: Nashville's a good one.
0: Yeah. Because like hardcore hockey fans got opinions about the Predators. Casual hockey fans are just kind of like, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, they got Nashville. It's like the Titans. Nobody has a fucking opinion about the Titans. NFC Titans.
1: <laughs> oh, but baseball's really good for not having a lot of teams like that either. Like the Pittsburgh Penguins have never done anything. But well, man, the they are interesting.
0: I was going to say, don't you mean the Pirates?
1: I said the Pirates. What did I say? Penguins. Oh, Penguins. The Pittsburgh Pirates, that's a team that it was like, man, you don't do anything good. But man, you're interesting. Oh, you want a team that people do not have an opinion about? The Carolina Hurricanes. The only opinion they might have is if they are aware of the Hartford Whalers.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. You know what? I think recently people might because of the storm surge.
1: Storm surge and the fact that they keep getting knocked out of the conference final, Getting swept into conference finals. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah,
0: because I was trying to think. Like Arizona people have opinions about them.
1: You know what's a city that you just don't need to have an opinion about their sports teams? San Diego.
0: Oh, see, that's not fair. San Diego's only got one.
1: Oh, yeah, the Padres are the only ones. Padres. (laughs) (laughs) But like the Chargers didn't have to care about
0: them. No, I mean, fuck, you just see that they lost 63 to 21 last week? Why did LA buy this team again? Uh, I don't know, Tim. I don't know. So sticking back with hockey, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League have changed their name to the Quebec Maritimes Junior Hockey League. Does it keep the same acronym? It does. Yeah, it
1: I don't know how I feel about this. Quebec Maritime Junior Hockey League just doesn't have the same ring as Quebec Major.
0: No, I get it, but the thing is I get it. it. Again, you get it, right? Because there's so many teams in the with the Maritimes, but the thing is. That doesn't make that's not really fair because doesn't Newfoundland have a team in the queue? They might, yeah. And if that's the case, then this is in This is incorrect at that point. It should be the Quebec Atlantic Junior Hockey League,
1: but then you changed the acronym
0: the QA, the QA JHL.
1: That's just an awful acronym,
0: it is an awful one, but. I mean, I get it. I get why they're actually. Doing
1: it. I wonder if they have to change the logo. Na- in front, because the French logo is that Ligue Auquet Junior Major Quebec de Quebec, and you get like the one that looks like the skate. I wonder, are they gonna order as the the Ligue Hockey Junior de Maritime et Quebec just to keep the French logo? Maybe. I hope they do because that's a sick logo.
0: It really is.
1: Like, that's why I had no issue with the fact that they hadn't changed the. (laughs) They hadn't changed the day because that logo is too cool.
0: It is. And you know what? This is a that's a story that you don't need to have an opinion. It's like, oh, okay, they're just changing one word.
1: Yeah. But I'm like, well, will the logo change because that logo is sick.
0: Right. It's so good. It's so good. So, we're going to go and talk about some international hockey first movement here, Tim. Former NHL head coach Bruce Boudreaux was named head coach for Team Canada at Spangler Cup. Boudreaux will be joined by Larry Mitchell, Jim Playfair, and Jeff Tomlinson as his assistant coaches. You
1: know, that sounds like an NHL 2005 all-star coaching roster. (laughs) Like, (laughs) as soon as you said Jim Playfair, I'm like, Boobers are down for this. They are Banging at their tables, they are demanding that they get TSN on their cable package, which they already do, I don't know why they're demanding this, so they can watch Jim Playfair coach the Spengler Cup.
0: Oh, buddy, you know what? All that's missing is Jim Houston's great uh, pronunciations of words.
1: I would pay for Jim Houston to call the Spengler Cup.
0: In that voice, (laughs) RJ Umberger, (laughs) Rafi Torres. I forgot how
1: awkward that was.
0: Those early 2000s NHL games, you look back at some of the people they got to commentate because, like, Jim Houston did it for a long time, but he had Craig Simpson as his partner. He had Don Taylor for two of them. He had Bill Clement. And then they brought in Gary Thorne, probably one of the best moves they've made.
1: Oh, yeah, the Gary Thorne. That was great. And then I think they actually had him paired with.
0: I want to say,
1: yeah, it was Clem. Yeah, Tony. They had Clement, and I think they had Gord Wilson in there at one point. Did they? I think I think they had Gord at one point. You're gonna have to look that. Or am I thinking of the two K games?
0: I think you're thinking of two K. Oh, the two K games are so good too.
1: I think the most recent game has Cheryl Pounder, but the script writing was so bad it just didn't hit.
0: Oh, God, the guy that they have now, he used to be for TSN. um, James Cebulski.
1: I like Cebulski, though.
0: Dude, he is... He is not
1: good. I know. Yeah, Gary Thor and Bill Clement, though, for, like, the games on the 360 and PS3. That was good. Actually, I didn't mind... I actually liked Emrick Olchek and Ferrero. Yeah, they weren't bad. They were good, but yeah, Kib- Kibuski and Ferrero. Straight Kib- Kibuski and Pounder is kind of poor.
0: Oh yeah, it says here, uh, NHL twenty four gold medalist Cheryl Pounder replaces Gary or Ray Ferrero as the color commentator for EA Sports NHL twenty four. Huh. yeah, but who am I thinking of? Was it Sapolsky?
1: No, it is Sapolsky. In the most recent one. Yeah, since 20, they replaced uh, Doc Emmerich and Eddie Olchek with uh, James Cebulski. They kept on Ferrero for a couple years, and it's Cheryl Pounder this year.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I feel
1: bad for her because they didn't write her. They didn't give her good lines. and Honestly, she's a great color commentator.
0: She is. Give her something to work with. Actually, you know who would have actually been pretty good in the NHL games? Is Mike Johnson and Jamie McLennan.
1: Yeah, that'd be a good pair.
0: That would be a good pair. So we're going to close off top of the hour, Tim, by talking about a trade. Colorado Volanship traded forward Thomas Tata to the Saint to the Seattle Kraken for a 2024 fifth round pick. Tatar recorded one goal, eight assists for nine points in 27 games for Colorado. Nice. It's not a bad little pickup for the Kraken, though. Yeah, and the Kraken are a weird, definitely a team
1: where I don't think they've definitely regressed from last year where they were on an absolute bender. But also at the same time, man, Thomas Tatar just really didn't work out. No. And it's weird because he's one of the guys that I kind of wanted the sense to pick up because he played so well in... Jersey and he, it's Thomas Tatar such a weird guy too because he's like re, he either really fits or really doesn't you know
0: yeah yeah I don't know I mean I know a lot of people were wanting for Thomas Tatar but you know what I'm not gonna argue sanko has been a good pickup for us honestly yeah can't complain that man can't complain
1: well we complain we can complain a lot about a lot of things son sorry that yeah. we could complain about a lot of things, Tay. We're Sens fans.
0: <laughs> That's true, Tim. That's true. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up top of the for this week, which can mean only one thing. Start to talk about some complaints. I mean, talk about some games. there's three <laughs> games on the schedule. We've got the Hurricanes versus the Senators, Sens versus the Blues, and the Sens versus the Stars. But before we do that, let's hit the music. We get into the games. I was actually going to hit record here to record the segment, and I noticed thing on Zoom. It's called Enable Smart Recording with AI Companion. <laughs> well, let's let's see what this thing
1: actually does, because I've never heard of it before. AI Companion is transforming modern work in the following ways. Oh boy. AI companion reinforces Zoom's vision to deliver limitless human connection on one platform, empowering people to do stuff. Generative AI, thousands of companies benefit. Free trials, federated approach, root in these unique, uh, transcending. So, what does it actually do? Users can watch recordings faster through highlights and smart chapters, and review summaries and next steps.
0: Oh my god,
1: that's actually kind of useful
0: it really is i i was gonna say when i thought that i was like are we just gonna have like an ai bot for an episode and we do a shit post out of it but then we become dudesy
1: is that a thing already
0: dudesy yes okay so you know will sasso The he was the the big guy from mad tv yeah him and his buddy started a podcast called dudesy and it's just the them it's those two and they fucked around with the ai so they have an AI companion and they have this bit on the show. It was. Ah, the hell was it? They they So AI took like hundreds of hours of Tom Brady game tape and made a one hour comedy special out of it.
1: That's incredible.
0: Yes. Like, but yeah, to, the shows are funny, though. I'm not going to lie.
1: Yeah. Apparently we can ask the AI companion stuff, though. I don't know how, but we'll figure it out.
0: Wouldn't that be a great episode for 2024 is that we just start asking AI what we think about the SENS?
1: No, I wonder if there's a way we could train an AI on SENS Twitter and ask it about ask it about the SENS. Because I know we're getting completely away from the games because frankly, I don't want to talk about them. But... You no,
0: know, unfortunately we have to though, Tim. Let's start off with...
1: No, 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 no. There's one bit, one bit. Okay. Have you been on Twitch and seen AI Santa? No. This thing is cursed. Someone basically is trained a chat bot and uh, give it an audio and video capability with idle animations, and everything. So you have like chat talking with this AI Santa and the AI is throwing, it's getting responses and then it's immediately using the AI to vocalize it. And then they have like animations mapped to what the AI is saying. It's cursed.
0: Oh, God. You're just like the Ottawa Senators, Tim. Hurricanes versus Senators. This is a four to one Hurricanes victory. Hurricanes goes to court by Sebastian Aho, two Martin Nikas, and Seth Jarvis. Josh Norris got the Lone Sands goal. Honestly, I went to Gosco instead of watching this game. It, it was a better choice.
1: Honestly, fair. That second period really got to Ottawa. They just. Came out of the first, expecting to go into the third, and all of a sudden, number two shows up. Couldn't have seen that one coming. Because, like, ah, Ottawa played really well during the first period, and this was a Carolina team that was on a slump buster mission, and they really came out to play. And I think Ottawa played them really well in the the first and the third, and played them exceptionally in the third. That second period was an atrocity.
0: Yeah, and you know, I always try to be the devil's advocate when it comes to the goaltending, but Jonas Corpusalo was not good in this.
1: No. I mean, Neither of those aho goals were good, let's be real.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but the Josh Norris goal, I mean, there's not much to say about it. He could have buried it on the first chance, but he scored anyway.
1: Yeah, and like, that's one of the things I do like about Josh Norris is he has been going for those second attempts. But otherwise, yeah, this game was Carolina just really did Carolina things and they exploited one of the Ottawa forward's big weaknesses which is their inability to really manage a proper big breakout outside of the top line.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They kept the Sens really hemmed in and the stutzla Tarasenko batherson line was the most victimized. Ottawa's basically league worst power power pl- penalty kill led in two. So it's just the consistent weaknesses of the Senators really showed themselves up in this game.
0: Yeah, and they continued into this game as well. Sens versus Blues this is a four to two blues victory. Sens goals are scored by Dominic Kubelik and Matthew Joseph. Blues goals are scored by Robert Thomas with two, Bran and Pavel Buchnevich. Shots were 34-30 for, for the Senators. Two thoughts. I knew this game was going to be bad when the St. Louis Blues were out shooting us 10 to 0. My other thought, the only main positive I have in this game, did you notice there was a young lady in the crowd wearing a white 3D SNES jersey of our boy Tyler Ennis? That's hype. Yo, our short kings. Let's go. Yeah, so
1: you know how normally Ottawa's really bad during the first period? They decided to surprise us. Sorry. Sorry. You know how Ottawa is usually really bad in the second period? They decided to surprise us, mix it up. That first period was garbage. Yep. Just absolute, did not show up. Not not even an E for effort. Because, yeah, I don't think they registered a shot until mid, almost the end of the first period. Just couldn't even connect a pass bag.
0: Yeah, it was so bad. And St. Louis just ate us alive.
1: I do have to give Sens credit where credit is due. Around 3-0, they decide to play. Kubely gets a goal. And the Sens almost brought this one back. But they need if they had started a period earlier, this probably could have been an Ottawa win. But this was also a slump buster for St. Louis but man, Ottawa made it easy for them.
0: They did. And that's the kind of the unfortunate thing about these games is just that that is what it is. Sens made it easy.
1: And what was so frustrating about watching this one, especially in the first period, was anytime the Sens would touch the puck, they would try to do like these Hail Marys to get it out of the zone, long passes, when St. Louis was playing a system that is separating your forwards from your defensemen, but kind of leaving some roots open for some shorter passing. And the Sen just kept going for these ridiculous plays, or they just couldn't make the pass in the first place.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like if you have an NFL quarterback, where instead of going for a slant pass, you go for a Hail Mary. Yeah. yeah, pretty much.
1: And again, Corpus Allo with a .887, but sorry, .87, but you can't blame them. Every shot that St. Louis got was a great A opportunity. That was either right in tighter in the slot. Just no, no effort put into defense.
0: Yeah, it, it was unfortunate. After the like I said after the first period, I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna go do something else.
1: Yeah, like I watched until it was three nothing. I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm gonna do something else with my Thursday night.
0: Yeah, like imagine if I had. If we had discovered this AI thing on Thursday night, you'd probably be screwed with that right now. Yeah, maybe. And we would have had a whole episode. It would have been great. Why is this my fault? I'm not saying this is your fault. <laughs> I'm saying this would have been great if we if we if you had messed around with it and then you we found it out and then we did it. We could have made a whole episode out of it. I guess. I guess. Yeah, but who was to listen to a sense podcast where we talk about nothing about the sense? <laughs> yeah, shit. No kidding. Let's turn our attention to the third and final game of the evening. Sens versus Stars. This is a 5-4 Stars victory. Sens goes scored by Drake Balfour, number two, Travis Hamannick, and Josh Norris. Stars goes scored by Joe Pavelski, Essa Lindell, Thomas Harley, Miko Heiskinen, and Matthew Shane. Shots were 29-24 for the Senators. So I was at the Royals game that night. The Sens blew it. Honestly,
1: this is one of the ones where the Sens deserved better. Like, just straight up. And what's kind of wild is the Sens were really in this one. They were taking it to a very good Dallas team. And the wheels came off the bus after a bad power play. Matthew Joseph getting injured didn't help. Yeah. But Anton Forsberg rocking the .79. Like, it's Outinger, let in two goals on two shots and then was pulled due to an injury. That's fine. Wedgwood comes in and plays really well cold. Yeah. If Forsberg had played remotely well, the Ottawa Centers would have won this game.
0: Yeah. It was very disheartening when the Sens, I think they had what a 3 1 lead or something.
1: Yeah. And like, then oh. Lindell's goal wasn't even good.
0: No. You could say that about a lot of the goals. But you know what's funny? I actually have two notes in this game. So Drake Batherson, this is the kind of game that we need to see more out of him because he had two goals. Yep. And... Well, Bath. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Bath's offense has been good, and the Sens' top line has been one of the few that can actually break out a puck. And I'd say, I'm going back and forth whether Batherson is in that group or not, but I think I've been happier with Batherson. But I think. The attention to detail is definitely needing to be harped on with Batherson because the talent is obviously there. He's finally hot in scoring. But for a lot of the other sends, too many passengers though. The cast Castlek and Sharche were bad. Kubelik seems like a bit of a lost cause right now. And I was really not happy with Josh. Like Josh Norris scored on a beautiful goal, but other than that, not great.
0: Yeah. Well, what about Travis Hamonick? He actually scored.
1: Yeah, he actually scored and the defense from him wasn't terrible for once. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. And I guess the really frustrating thing is just this is a game that Ottawa should have won. Like, yeah, missing Tarasenko sucks. Losing Joseph very, very early in the game sucks. But if the senders can't manage losing two forwards, the forward depth is a pretty big problem. And you know what? you want to just cover the Vegas Knights game so we can just get all the DJ games done?
0: Sure. All right. Sens versus Golden Knights. This is a 6-3 Golden Knights victory.
1: Goals were scored by Jack Eichel off the first shot of the game, Jonathan Mastersholt, Derek Waugh, Chandler Stevenson, Ivan Barbashev, and William Carlson. Sens score scored by Josh Norris, Ridley Grig, and a late goal by Brady Kachuk. The shots were... I don't even care.
0: Oh, to stunt, stunt man, Stu. This team scored by. Does it even really matter?
1: So this game is has the, a very very weird flow to it where the Ottawa Senators they get scored on immediately. Jonas Corpusalo looks kind of dumb on this goal, but giving Jack Eichel a breakaway in the first minute of the game is. Uh, what the kids say, not ideal. Then Ottawa really tightens up their act and they dominate Vegas for the rest of the period. We see a bit of a greasy goal on Josh Norris, let's be real. And the Ridley-Greg goal is just a goal that normally doesn't go in. And Aiden Hill is clearly hurt. And he's removed from the game and replaced with a cold Thompson. And Thompson plays fantastically for the rest of the night but midway through the second the week ottawa continues their strong play until they give the vegas a power play let in a and corpus Allo lets in a pretty weak goal
0: mm-hmm. well correct me if I'm wrong wasn't logan thompson traded this
1: sorry not logan thompson it's uh well, why did I did I get I got the wrong thompson didn't I Or No, you're thinking Laurent Brassois.
0: Laurent Brassois, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah,
1: no, it is Logan Thompson. Sorry, yeah, Thompson. But yeah, so you get this really weird game flow where Ottawa plays really well, and then all of a sudden, they just stop. And then Vegas scores on a power play. Angus Crookshank does a really good job to draw a penalty. And then Josh Norris trips on the puck chandler stevenson skates it back and all of a sudden stuza kind of gives up on the play here a bit and all of a sudden it's 4-2 barbashev after the sends just get absolutely hemmed in their own zone for at least a minute barbashev makes them pay 5-2 very quickly into the third william carlson scars on another power play almost instantly and then we see some life out of the Sens, but it's really not enough, and the game's basically over.
0: Yep, and so is the tenure of DJ Smith, the Senators' head coach.
1: Yeah, this game is particularly frustrating because it's everything wrong with the Senators just reared its ugly, ugly head: the inability to buy a save, and at a .81, Salo did not play well.
0: No, and this just point, sorry, I was going to say, and with DJ Smith now. Officially gone. Jacques Martin is now in. The Sens keep losing. This is now on the players.
1: This is now on the players. Is exactly it because this is a game where you saw absolutely that complete inability to connect, even a basic pass. Players just getting absolutely hemmed in, and it's weird because like for the first period, the Sens looked great. Their forecheck was working. They're moving the puck. They're connecting their passes, and then all of a sudden, just they got hit by one thing, and they just completely fell apart. Like, I don't know what's wrong with this team.
0: I don't know. But you know what? A shakeup was needed. Sens do it. If we keep losing, some, there's going to be a player gone. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a matter of who.
1: Yeah. But it's like, who would you even trade? Like, Kubelik has no value. You'd be selling Batherson. Well, you might be able to get something for Bathurston. But Batherson, I don't think is part of the problem.
0: Maybe Norris?
1: Maybe Norris. But is anyone going to take on that contract?
0: No. That's the only big thing for me is I don't see anybody going after the contract because the Senators wouldn't be able to retain any salary.
1: Yeah. Because, like, as far as players who I think have been excellent this season, for the forwards, you have Giroux, Stutzla, Kachuk, and Grieg. And honestly, I even Stutzla seems to be playing worse than I would expect him to. He's playing at the level of a first-line center, but he almost looks like he's playing hurt. And all that tape on the back of his neck going down to the jersey line makes me wonder if there's something screwy with his shoulder too.
0: Yeah, because that's a big thing, right? Because who do you replace Stutzle with?
1: No, there's no one there.
0: The only thing I can think of, hear me out on this one. I think is we're at, what, 28 games? 26 games right now? Yep. What if he's waiting for Pinto to come back? Maybe. What if he's waiting for Pinto to come in, and then he just says, okay, I need time?
1: That might be it. Because, like, as far as Ottawa's defense has been going, I've been happy with, like, Brandt, Brandstrom's been great. Shabbat's just been injured. But when Shabbat's been healthy, he's been great. Mm-hmm. Sanderson's been, like, he's all you can ask for from a second-year pro. Shikran's been a little disappointing. Zub's been good. Hamanick is, I don't think he's an NHL player anymore. Hamanick's, Berner, Hamanick's Hamanick. Bernard doctor has been fine. Yeah. And I kind of, I wouldn't mind seeing if the Sens had space for him. I wouldn't mind seeing maybe giving Clevin another couple reps at towards mid to end season.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? That could happen, right? With Jacques Martin. You have fresh eyes. Maybe he says, okay, let's bring out, See what he can do.
1: See what he can do, yeah. And I kind of wonder if they flush the coach it as well. I, Belleville's also been really bad this year. So part of me wonders if, well, Jacques Martin's new systems, they start playing them in Belleville as well. We see a turnaround or are they going to flush another coach? I don't know. Because, yeah, Belleville's not been good.
0: So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on these games if you want to head off to the close for a- another episode.
1: Yeah, I don't want to talk about it much either, and I just don't really know what we've got here.
0: Yeah, well, you know what, though? I think there's a line from Goon who says, you got to be shitty before you can be good.
1: Yeah, we've been shitty for a while, though.
0: I know, but hopefully we can turn this thing around, man. Hopefully. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plugs, SenseCast. I hope you've enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you You find us on itunes spotify soundcloud and google play as well as on social media at third line plug you can find me also on social media at great white gibster and tim's on twitter at m901 honey badger so no angry red wing fans tweeting any of this week tim
1: nope
0: perfect so for the games of the week tim now we already talked about the vegas golden knights game from last night so we look got three games on the schedule we've got Tuesday night, we are at Mullet Arena in Arizona to play the Coyotes. Thursday, we travel to the Mile High City to play the Colorado Avalanche. And Saturday, we return home for our final game before Christmas versus the Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: The sets kind of have to win all of these. And hopefully the new coach bump works.
0: I hope that. I hope that. Well, I just want to extend something to our listeners, Dan, because this is going to be our final episode for our Christmas break, next episode we're gonna be doing. It will be after Christmas, so want to wish everybody a happy holidays out there. Hope it's all good, and yeah, really looking forward to closing up 2023 in our next episode.
1: Yeah, and hopefully the sense can get rolling somewhere.
0: I hope so, man. I hope so. Until next time, guys. I'm your host Taylor Gibson,
1: and this has been Tim